back to In the Queue, film conversations with Andrew and Phil. I am your co-host, Phil. And if there's somebody out there who really likes this movie, they can get it tattooed on their body so that they, they can say, I have your name tattooed on my body. <laughs> wow. 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 I, were, were, was that one marinating for a while? No, it really just kind of sprung up. Right off the top of the dome. Yeah. Popping off the top of this esophagus. Yeah, you could say that again. <laughs> uh, I'm Andrew. I'm your other co-host. And never have I gone to a movie where there was more fighting about assigned seats than when I went oh, to see this one. It was oh, insane. Oh, I saw this in an assigned seating theater also. Yeah? Was yeah, it, was it I, similarly contentious? Well, there wasn't, enough, there wasn't much fighting, but somebody took my seat. So I just sat a couple seats next to them. Oh no! Not not thinking too much of it because the theater wasn't that full. And then these three older ladies came in like right when the movie started and had to sit right next to me because there wasn't enough space. And uh, they were talking and oh, no. snoring, snoring, and snoring. <laughs> yes, oh, during the God. movie, it was an experience. But I'd love to hear about yours too. Uh, mine's pretty simple. Like everyone around me, I was in. My row and the row behind me clearly had groups of people who had come together but had not bought their tickets together. So they were sitting together, but they weren't assigned those seats. So a lot yeah. of people got very frustrated because there were people sitting in their assigned seats. It was lots of fun. I guess people don't really follow those things. I mean... Oh, I I mean, I will make people follow them when I go to the theater. <laughs> I'm well, like, sure. You know, if you this have is the seat I you... picked. It says yeah. G1 but... on it. I mean, I don't, I don't usually go to theaters that have those types of seats in them, but it seems like every time that I've gone, people are just like, they just say, fuck it, I'm going to sit wherever I want. Yeah. Well, this, almost all the theaters in New York now have assigned seating. It's, it's pretty prevalent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, we're talking about the movie Your Name, mm-hmm. which is a runaway smash hit from Japan. It's an anime. It is. It's the, it is now the highest grossing anime of all time in Japan. Yeah, more than any Miyazaki film. Previously, I think yep. Spirited Away held the the title. Yep, but it has bested that. It's made over a billion yen, yep. which is the equivalent of $98 million. And it's a uh, lot for a foreign about... market. Like, that's a huh? ton for a foreign market. Yeah, and it's it's it came out last year. It seems to be making its rounds in the States mm-hmm. uh, nowadays uh, after becoming a big hit abroad. And it's already got an astoundingly great rating on IMDb with uh, just under 30,000 votes. Mm-hmm. And it's in the top 250 of all time. So that's quite an accomplishment. Indeed. It's in the top uh, 110 of all time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're we're going to talk all about this film in just a moment. Um, first, I want to tell you guys out there where you can find us on the web. You can go to our blog, which is found at www.in-the-q. That's the letter Q, dot com. On our blog are all of our episodes. You can also find our episodes on our Facebook page. Just search Facebook for In The Queue. Q-U-E-U-E is how it is spelled. And you also find supplemental materials that we post, like videos and articles. And also, on the Facebook page, you can leave comments or requests Mm -hmm. for movies you would like us to review. Oh, yeah. And if you're so inclined... You can join us in uh, one of the episodes to talk about the film of your choice. We'd love to have you on. Uh, every week we do a new listener request, and we love it. It's one of our favorite things. Yeah. 
And also, we have a Twitter account. It is at ITQ Podcast, one word. And also, we have a account on iTunes, and you can find our podcast on Overcast, Podcast, and other podcast aggregate apps for your mobile device. Indeed. So without further ado, here is the trailer for your name. The day a star fell, it was almost like... Like seeing something out of a dream. Nothing more or less. That a breathtaking view. at the cafe later. Thanks, but I gotta go to work. I can't stand this place anymore. It's too small and close-knit. Please leave me a token of why my not Where am I? I've been having some strange dreams lately. Like a dream about someone else's life. What is this? What could this mean? And our dreams that girl and I were switching places? There's one thing I'm certain of. If we see each other, we'll definitely know right away. I wanted to tell you that wherever you are in the world, I swear that I'll find you again, no matter what. Who are you? Who are you? Can I ask you... Your name? Mmm. There it is. Yeah, so that's the trailer. And it it gives you a pretty good summary of the premise of this movie. I mean, It does, yeah. I mean, without, like, getting bogged down in the details. Uh, the story is about two youngsters in Japan, mm-hmm. uh, a boy and a girl, a girl by the name of Mitsuha and a boy by the name of Taki. And uh, they uh, live in different parts of Japan, different areas, but they are linked in some fashion. Mm-hmm. And as the movie continues, you sort of see what the what the connection is. Uh, Mitsuha is a, the daughter of the mayor of a small town. Um, Very rural and, town. A very rural area. It's a it's a fictional place, but it's called Itumori, mm-hmm. and um, she's kind of like a typical high school girl, uh, but she she's a bit modern, and she kind of doesn't have the same patience for the rituals or her father's electoral campaign that her elders are trying to sort of force upon and her. Still in her, yes. Yeah, and she's uh, she dreams of, of going to Tokyo and seeing the big city. Mm-hmm. And then um, you're also got these – you're cross-cutting between Mitsuha and Taki, who actually does live in Tokyo, who's a high school boy. And he works in an Italian restaurant. And he dreams of being an artist. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing that connects these two people, though, is the fact that they have strange dreams. And when they wake up on occasion – they find themselves switched bodies and the old having the same body swap, <laughs> right? Which was very popular in the 1980s. It was. It was. Do you remember all those movies? Like yeah, the uh, 18 again, and, and like father like son, like father like son, uh, and there's Freaky Friday that was in yeah. the 70s. Yeah, and the Parent Trap, which was also in the 70s. 
uh, Parent Trap was sixties, I think. Sixties, yeah. Yeah. Um, was the Parent Trap one? I thought that was just about two twins. Two oh yeah, you're who right. Looked alike. You're right. You're right. What am I yeah. saying? Get it straight, man. Hey, what can I do? <laughs> but yeah, and then of course there's the remake of Freaky Friday. But anyways, there's Big. So well, that's not big. really a body swap either. That's just him. I think you're reaching. Coming. <laughs> I'm yeah. doing my best here. <laughs> yeah, good try. Good try. Um, <laughs> so the movie it explores this premise, and you get as you watch. There's this. There's the explanation for this kind of mystical occurrence. Uh, seems to have something to do with a, a comet mm. that is uh, approaching the Earth, specifically the region that Mitsuha lives in. Indeed. And um, that's kind of where it begins. And from there, it, there's all kinds of sort of twists and turns. This movie is a roller coaster. Indeed. I mean, like, I mean, this, this movie jerks you around and manipulates you high <laughs> to low repeatedly and there is one part where after there are all these very emotional twists and turns and i was thinking okay it's gonna end now they're gonna bring it down and it's gonna be a sad <laughs> ending but then it just keeps going and it gets up and down and up and down and then it just kind of ends right right when you, when the film is kind of reaching the uh the apex of what it's all about it just kind of cuts off yeah, yeah. and uh this is a really good story, and it's a story that was originally uh, written, and it was uh, it was a novel yeah, by yeah. Makoto Shinkai, and he adapted his own novel and directed this movie. Mm -hmm. And I will say that I am not a fan, and this is going to be oh. a bone of contention between me and Andrew, uh -oh. I already know. Uh -oh. I am not really a fan of, of anime. Sure, sure. I, I don't particularly like the style in which anime characters are drawn. It's an uh, it's an acquired taste to some, I understand. But it's but I know a good story when I see one. Sure. And this is a this is a very compelling original story, and uh, for that reason, I thought it was worth my time. But just the aesthetic of anime, some of it, it's kind of like it, the movements aren't that fluid. They're a little. Mm -hmm jerky and the the glassy eyes the open mouth the kind of the cupie doll mm -hmm. look that everybody has sure. I, I is kind of unappealing to me it's very exaggerated um but yeah. that being said uh your name is a really interesting film to watch despite the fact that aesthetically it's not quite my favorite your bag uh yeah, I have heard that from many people before. I don't happen to share that opinion. I think that anime is its own unique and incredible art form. And uh, one that has a lot of... I mean, it draws its entire being from the sort of history of Japanese uh, print illustrations uh, of one kind, going back to woodblock prints and before... And Andrew is an authority about this. He's not just making this up. Because I know he does have. He did study this. He is. Yeah. When, this when was... we were in New York City, we went to the the Metropolitan yeah. one time, and he was actually pointing out to me like everything about this like Japanese woodblock print that we were looking at. Yeah. And yeah. so I I firmly believe you. I you're not just blowing smoke. <laughs> well, that's. I mean, it, it's where it um, it draws a lot of its sort of uh, pictorial 
inspiration from? I mean, it, the you can you can almost draw a direct line up to the present from, you know, hundreds of years ago uh, in terms of the evolution of the art. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, it is uh, unique, and it is its own thing. And there are a lot of uh, sort of cues that you learn as you watch more of it that uh, shorthand that they use for emotions and shorthand that they use for all sorts of different things that you don't really see in American animation or European animation Mm -hmm. nearly as much. And it's really quite um, delightful and uh, interesting in its own right. This movie isn't too heavy on a lot of that stuff. You'll find a lot more of that if you're watching uh, anime television series and especially ones that are made for children. They tend to really uh, be the ones that have the hyper exaggeration just Um, thinking about what you say reminds me of the way that people cry in in anime films yeah yeah the way the tears just kind of suddenly well up and And then then fly off of the faces of their characters and it is very exaggerated but it's it is seems to be that kind of uh you know, style that you yeah, see in well, almost any animated film. Well, and a lot Japan. of it, a lot of it uh, was stylistic uh, progressions that sort of came about as a result of uh, limitations in terms of uh, budget and technical uh, ability. Not ability, but technical uh, availability. Um, uh-huh. They had to make a lot of animation for relatively cheap, so a lot of the uh, shorthand borrowed directly from manga. Uh, in terms of the expression of emotions. And of course, if you're looking at a still image, the easiest way to depict an emotion is to uh, sort of exaggerate the things that are uh, attendant to that emotion. So if somebody is embarrassed, then their cheeks flush. Mm -hmm. They get lines on their cheeks. This happens in this film at one point in the film where um, uh, the girl, whose name I can't think of right now, um, Mitsuha. Uh, Mitsuha, yeah. Uh, she gets very embarrassed in a situation, and her whole face turns very red, and these lines appear on it. Um, it's a shorthand. Um, if somebody is sad about something, then seeing those tears, obviously in a in a still pictorial presentation, you know, seeing somebody's eyes well up isn't really enough uh, mm-hmm. as it would be in a uh, a, a live action performance, for instance. Um, so a lot of that made the transition. And even though the animation is much more, um, sophisticated now than it was 20 or 30 years ago, uh, it, it still maintains a lot of those hallmarks because they grew up with the art form. And it's good that they're still there too, because after all, movies are a visual medium and any way, any, anytime you can communicate an idea with just visuals, that's always the way to do it. And, you know, obviously animated movies in Japan are, are popular around the world. So they mm-hmm. should be able to translate, uh, to any country easily. Sure. Sure. And, um, I saw this movie with the subtitled version as did I. So, yeah. yeah. And, um, so that we heard the original authentic Japanese voices and I, the people who, who came in and sat next to me as we, as I alluded to <laughs> the three women, people. they, they were all kind of, um, elderly and they came in right as the movie was beginning and uh, they were talking and talking, and every single trailer that involved any kind of pratfall, somebody like despicable tripping, me three, yeah, whatever it was, filled, filled uh, with those they, things. 
they would just laugh so loud. <laughs> and then when the movie started and it launches right into this Japanese rock song and the subtitles are flying by really fast, these ladies just fell silent. <laughs> and I was thinking, I was wondering to myself, did they know that what they were getting themselves into? Probably not. Yeah. Probably not. Hence the snoring. They decided this wasn't for them. Dozed off. Yeah. When the one next who was right next to me fell asleep and then the end of the movie happened and then the lights came on and then this lady was like, well, that was different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not, uh, not what she had expected. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the, the film, despite maybe disliking the, the stylistic elements, um, perhaps I think is a, a great, um, story as you say with very interesting characters mm -hmm. and um very high production values especially for a, a, a film like this i mean it's it's a really um gorgeous film to look at mm -hmm. uh and yeah i mean it's great it doesn't quite um punch into that territory of uh Miyazaki for me like you know a, a Miyazaki film to me is is as great as any any film period um uh -huh. movies like Spirited Away and Princess Mononoke I think are among the great films full stop right uh, even um Roger Ebert put uh Isao Takahata's Grave of the Fireflies on his list of the greatest films ever made uh, uh -huh. and My Neighbor Totoro for instance uh, uh the Miyazaki film was that on his list too? Yeah, it's Totoro? on his great. Yeah, those are the two anime yeah. films that are on his list of the great movies. Oh, cool. Yeah, uh, both incredible films, of course. Um, and this, I think, uh, is certainly going to rank up there with them in terms of popularity and lasting impact. Um, it's a really, really fun and interesting story. And we've kind of avoided talking about the plot of it, and I think that we should probably continue to do so. Mm -hmm. Only because there are, as Phil alluded to, so many twists and turns to the plot of this film that it it sort of would be doing the audience a disservice to really get into them. And also, I'm not sure what we would necessarily glean from it. From it. <laughs> we would have the, the, the dirty, shameful satisfaction of spoiling a movie for somebody. Yeah, and that's no good. Um, I don't get satisfaction from that. <laughs> um, oh, okay. But, uh, but yeah, I, I think that this is, uh, it's, it's one of those films that I hope does well. It's one of those films that I hope that people go see if they are in an area that is playing it. Uh, mm -hmm. I hope even more that they'll see it subtitled if they have the option. I did have the option and they were playing it both subtitled and dubbed where I was. Well, let at. me ask you, let yeah. me just stop you there because, sure. um, yeah. In an animated film where you don't have to worry about uh, the the countenance of the sure. actor matching the voice that comes out of their mouth. I know where this is going. What's the big deal about watching it dubbed? Because in this film, you would have to do a lot less reading. You could get caught up in the story more more passionately. Uh, what's What would be the problem with watching the, this movie dubbed? Well, this is a never-ending debate in the world of anime and anime lovers uh it's been going on for as long as i've been watching anime which is 20 years now plus yeah. and uh it 
it, it depends. It depends on who the person is. Personally, the reason that I think that I should watch it in Japanese is for a couple of reasons. One, it is that is the work that the director intended for us to see mm-hmm. was the one with Japanese uh, voices. Secondly, no matter how good the people are, no matter how good of actors they are, no matter how good voice actors they are, I find English dubbing of Japanese animated films and television series to be extraordinarily distracting. Mm. Uh, because what may be written for them, and this could, you know, this is a problem of the translation as much as anything, I suppose, but what is usually written for them and what they have to squeeze into <laughs> the animation that's already on screen oftentimes doesn't fit. There is oftentimes not the emotional connection that there seems to be in the Japanese language version mm-hmm. of it. Um, there is oftentimes it feels as though it was different people recorded in different rooms at different times mm. uh, as opposed to one seamless set of performances. Um, I mean, part of that may be because I only understand pretty rudimentary Japanese and I'm not by any stretch of the imagination fluent in the language. So not knowing what they're saying without the help of subtitles is a benefit in that regard because I can't be nitpicking the quality Mm. of their vocal performance. I see. Uh, But if I'm hearing it in English, all I'm doing is nitpicking the quality of their vocal performance. Um, There's a very real sort of practical problem too, which you mentioned. And that is that, uh, you know, I mean, after the film has been edited, completed and the picture is locked and it's done, that's when the American voices would have to come in and they, there's no real leeway for them to adjust the picture to suit their recording. So yeah, it can be, it can be problematic and, and rushed. And as somebody who edits video frequently, I understand (laughs) <laughs> how that can uh, that can really mess things up. Sure. But sure. Um, one of the things that I did really like about the visuals of this film mm-hmm. was there was a really cool and very kind of simple but effective uh, edit that they would make occasionally. It was like mm-hmm. a, a very quick shot that would uh, that they use as a transition, and that was whenever somebody would move from uh, one room in a house to Oh, yeah, I love this, yeah. Or, or when somebody was, later in the film, if somebody was moving from the subway to, to the, the tram platform. to the terminal, yeah. um, there would be this very quick, uh, just low-angle shot of the door sliding open. And it's or so sliding quick. Closed. It's like, yeah. Or closed. It's, like a, it's almost like a Tarantino uh, Band-Aid or like a, some kind of cutaway. Yeah, that's it's so quick and visceral and it's like right from the perspective of the ground. And uh, it was just very cinematic. And I it was loved like it. something you'd see in a live action movie. Yeah. And when I was watching it, I was actually thinking to myself, this is something that I don't know that I've seen. Yeah, that's before. why it stood out to me. I mean, it was really it was a really effective uh, little punctuation mark that kind of separated locations like mentally watching it like. You understood mm-hmm. that someone had crossed a threshold into something new. And it was often used in situations where the crossing of that threshold meant uh, running into somebody or a change of attitude or a discovery of yeah. some sort. Um, so it was a very, very effective 
sort of uh, visual punctuation mark for the film. Yeah, and it's uh, and it marks a great uh, transition too in the scene. So mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. something that really stood out to me. Um, yeah, it's I'm also glad interesting you mentioned because that cause I, it was definitely noticeable. Yeah, and there's something else, there's something else that's an even bigger can of worms that I might <laughs> open up, which is uh, one of my one of the things about Japanese cinema that does not interest me. And then I'm talking even about the movies of Kurosawa, not just anime. Sure. But uh, a lot of Japanese culture that you see in movies, me being someone who's never left, who's never been to Japan, mm-hmm. and the only thing I know about the country is what I see in movies, um, there's a very kind of classical sensibility to a lot of aspects of their life. Sure. Um, specifically in the more rural areas, like the fictional town of Itomori in this film. Sure. Uh, Look at a city like Tokyo, which is one of the most fascinating places I've ever seen. I'd love to visit. I'd love to visit that town. Likewise. You've got like a a very urban, modernized uh, city and the way people dress, the way they behave, the lights, the buildings, the, the traffic. It's all very modern. But then in some movies, you've got this other very traditional style where people wear these kimonos they they crouch the contents, on the ground yeah. to to eat their dinner, and it's all very classical and kind of traditional. And uh, I have to say, like, there's something about that that is like not as interesting to me as seeing the the more modern take on culture that you would see in a city like Tokyo. Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah, and uh, you know, you've got Mitsuha's family who kind of follow that way of life. And then you've got Taki in Tokyo who is leading uh, the type of lifestyle that you might see in an, in an American big city where they're the, the, the costumes that they wear, their behavior is perhaps more Americanized. That's why it's more accessible to me. Sure. Sure. Yeah, no, I understand that. Um, I just find the uh, sort of, intricacies of rural Japanese life to be very endlessly interesting because it is a very different, um, uh, the, the sort of, uh, devotion to ceremony and, uh, and that sort of a thing, uh, mm-hmm. is very interesting to me. And especially the way that it's depicted in cinema in Kurosawa in Ozu in you know, uh, Mitsuguchi in any number of animated, uh, works that I've seen. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't find it any less interesting than the city. I think the city is probably more relatable as someone who grew up on Japanese video games and television shows. <laughs> uh, well, you know, speaking of Kurosawa, there's two films yeah. of his in particular that are that stand out. And I'm not an expert about him, but his films, Stray Dog yeah. and High and High Low, and Low yeah. are And The Bad two- Sleep Well. Yeah, there and probably Drunken Angel, which yeah. I haven't seen. Yeah. But, but those are a few of his films that take place in some in a huge metropolis, and sure, their 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 whole sensibility seems different from other movies that take place in the 20th century, but have these this this kind of sensibility about them that to me seems like something from hundreds of years ago. Yeah. Um. 
yeah, I mean, uh, don't forget that uh, Japan, uh, Japan, as a a nation state, was all but isolated from the rest of the world by their own decision until mm-hmm. something like 1860 or 1880 or something like that. Uh, they they had a set of rules in place that basically did not allow anything to be imported into Japan. So it was a culture that was essentially unto itself, uh, save for its you know military skirmishes with its neighbors and and the like. But it was mm-hmm. not a a culture that was doing a lot of cultural trading with other uh, other countries around it or around the world. Yeah. Um, so it was allowed to develop its own completely uh, unique uh, sensibilities and and uh, uh, rituals and and all that kind of stuff. And I, I think that that may account for some of the uh, uniqueness of it, uh, as you're describing it. Something that's very you know unusual to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But anyway, back to the yeah back film, to the film. At hand. <laughs> uh, this movie. While it does have a a, uh, a cinematic device, yeah. which we've seen before mm-hmm. in many the body silly swap. and frivolous films. 18 again with George Birds. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's very original. It, it's, it's very kind of uh, refreshing. And it's not just because... I haven't seen that many animes, <laughs> which is maybe a factor, but it's handled in a really kind of interesting way. And it's a, it's a film where the plot really just kind of hits the ground running. Yeah. It, it just, it, the movie starts with a, with a music video, which I hadn't seen in a film before. Very it, common uh, in Japanese uh, anime and, and especially in television shows. I mean, the opening credits essentially. Yeah, it did have the feel of a TV show, definitely, yeah, yeah. when that happened. Um, but uh, it's it's a movie that just kind of demands, like, your full attention, your full commitment to be able to sort of catch on to everything that's happening. And, you know, with this whole uh, dual out-of-body experience story. Uh, with a little bit of time travel thrown in, which uh, I think isn't saying too much, but... <laughs> uh does let you know like the the film keeps you on your toes. I mean it keeps you it keeps you very involved because you have to be cognizant of where and when and who is who <laughs> um yep. at all times and it's it, it 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 constantly switches that up. Uh and yeah. and and when it when it dips down for a lull it's for very good dramatic reason and dramatic effect. So yeah, yeah, I enjoyed I, it very much. I I really thought it was quite good. I enjoyed it too. Um, I've seen, I've never seen an anime that had uh, a dubbed English soundtrack. Uh, the only um, ones that I've seen were in the original language. But it it uh, recalls in my mind episodes of like Dennis the Menace that I saw when I was a kid, the animated <laughs> film where the the style of animation kind of was similar and then when you watch the end credits there's all these japanese names yeah, listed yeah as yeah. the animators uh, but i would be curious to watch one that was dubbed just to kind of see uh how i reacted if it was working for me or not but this one is is a good film it's one of the more intelligent films that's out right now 
Um, mm. We had a mm -hmm. hard time, or With I had a hard time finding a movie in my area that was not Beauty and the Beast or something that was something that we had already done style or, or whatever. Or, yeah, or that was uh, <laughs> is either something we hadn't already done or something that we really didn't want to do because it was so stupid. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, this one was was uh, was quite interesting and unique. So I I would recommend it, especially if you're already a fan of, of anime. Yeah, I would recommend it as well. I think that it's uh, a really good uh, example of the genre. I think it's a really compelling story. I think it's a really uh, artistically interesting film for uh, the reasons that we've covered. And um, and yeah, it's a it's a solid anime uh, movie, and it is a solid movie in its own right. Uh, I, I don't even need to give it that sort of qualifier. Um, it's just a solid movie. It's a lot of fun. And if you're a student of world cinema, it's worth seeing just for the fact that it's now the most popular Japanese film yeah. of all time. Yeah, <laughs> the highest grossing Japanese film in Japan uh, of all time, and I guess worldwide now. Yeah. Uh, that's that's nuts. Well, um, that's our episode about your name, period. <laughs> uh, stay tuned for our next episode. It's going to be a listener's request. It's going to be a good one, folks. We're going to talk about... RoboCop, the original 1987 film. I'll buy that for a dollar. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, great moments. <laughs> so stay tuned for that one, and we'll catch you later. We'll see you then.